the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back. Final hour of the show. I'm Randy Corcoran. Great to have you here. Our phone number, 303-696-1971. 696-1971. I'll be back tomorrow night guest hosting for Backbone Radio. That's always a good time. Love the Backbone Radio audience. And anything we don't get to tonight, we'll pick it up where we left off tomorrow. No guests tomorrow. We're just going to hang out with the Backbone country and uh, see where it goes. Before the end of the hour, we will go through the these multiple clips from the Wiccan witch, Emily Kors, who found herself foreman of the Donald Trump grand jury, not specifically Donald Trump, but the grand jury in Georgia. And it's really funny. Uh, Newsweek did a whole article on this woman, and she, they quoted people like Charlie Kirk, Kirk who said, Emily Kors, the foreperson on the Trump grand jury in Georgia, really putting the witch in witch hunt. And I guess, guess other folks like uh, Ned Ryan picked up that theme. It's the chef's kiss that somehow this forewoman is a witch involved in leading a witch hunt. What are the odds? And then Jesse Waters, according to her Pinterest account, she is a big fan of witchcraft. She's a Wiccan, it looks like. And now she's leading a different kind of witch hunt. I was looking through her social media. We'll talk about all of the interesting things she has on her Instagram, I think, and Pinterest and elsewhere. Very unique character. And then we're going to inspire you with a high school freshman. About three and a half minutes, maybe a little more. He had to address his high school board. And um, just one of the most, over three million people have watched this clip, and I want to share it with you before the night is done. But right now, so excited. We've been trying for weeks to put this together. A few weeks ago, I had on an old friend of mine who was running for a Republican nomination to be president. We thought at the time that he was the first person to throw his hat in the ring to challenge Donald J. Trump, who obviously announced his intentions back in November. But it looks like we were wrong. Our next guest is a man by the name of Eric John Borner, and his credentials are extraordinary. And since we've got him, I'll let him tell him tell you all about himself. Really glad to have you, Eric. Thank you very much for uh, making time for us tonight here in Denver. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, having me on, Randy. Uh, it's great to talk to everybody in Colorado. Where uh, Where are we yeah. talking to you from? Uh, I'm actually in my home state, Washington, uh, right outside of Seattle. I'm in a nice little tiny town uh, in the rural community of Kitsap County. Uh, I started my campaign here with uh, my campaign director, Jay Fratt. He's in uh, Olympia, Washington, where our, our state seat is. And uh, he's very involved in the Republican uh, Party here. And uh, so we started a, a small grassroots campaign here in our, our home state. But now we're starting to branch out. We're going to Iowa next month, and we're going to hang out in Iowa for a couple of weeks, and we'll move from there. Well, it's fascinating. And, of course, you know, the first question anybody has come to mind, well, let me just tell you this. I'm the Republican National Committee man from Colorado, so I'm – yeah, fairly heavily involved in Republican politics these days, sometimes more so than I'd like. 
Uh, but I really do see a lot of grassroots energy around the country, on the committee, uh, local and county party, state party energy is really, really high. Are you seeing the same thing in Washington state? Most definitely. Um, we're seeing, you know, we're we're in such a blue state here. Um, we're practically California. Um, the, the rural communities feel like little tiny islands in these big swath of blue uh, areas, whereas it's, you know, in, in the Midwest, it's the other way around. It's a, a small island of blue and a, a swath of red. So we, we have a very unique uh, uh, culture here for our GOP party. Um, I want to say it's more West Coast conservative. We're like um, very fiscally conservative or very, uh, I want to say, in the conservationist realm, conservative as well. Um, so um, like the I worked for the National Oceanographic uh, Atmospheric Agency. Um, I was very concerned with uh, whale and seal impact uh, on our fisheries and, and being able to sustain our fisheries for long term. Uh, fishing up in the Pacific Northwest, and so uh, I, I ventured to get into that position as 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 much as I could. I finally got to a, a top uh, data management position where I was able to work with the scientists and and uh, and being able to to impact the conservationist part of the the Republican Party it felt really good. Um, but I, I'm seeing that that's shifting quite a bit with the conservationist part. The, the left is is using it for uh, political propaganda to uh, drain our taxpayers' dollars. So, yeah. Well, no doubt about that. And I, as national committee man from Colorado, of course, at our RNC meetings, I, I run into your chairman, Caleb Heimlich. Uh, uh, really, really seems like one of those fresh young guys that's there for all the right reasons and doing a great job your national committee man and, and national committee woman. The, I started to ask you the first question that pops to mind when I look at your credentials, 33 years in the federal government. Why in the world would you want to go back? <laughs> that is a really good question. You know, um, I actually, I was injured on the job uh, at my last duty, um, and, and they re, they retired me. Uh, they kind of forced retired me, I want to say. But uh, they, they gave me a medical retirement, and... Uh, um, you know, I've been sitting on my butt for about three years. I, I have a little goat farm here in, in the rural community. Uh, really great people, really great neighbors. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of division in our country right now. And, um, you know, it, it's polarized our nation pretty heavily. Um, people that used to be able to have a civil conversation at the dinner table are, are not able to do that anymore. It's happened. It's been going this way for a while, uh, quite a while, well before 45 was the president. So uh, I think at this point, if we continue on the way we're going down this road uh, without some significant leadership that has seen uh, what's behind the curtain, so to say, uh, and to be able to pull those levers back and forth uh, to get us out of some jams uh, with some foreign diplomacy issues that we have currently, um, some some issues that we have with our supply chain problems that's affecting our our inflation. Um, I I I don't see us coming back from a a good pathway anytime soon. I, I think this polarized division is going to continue to distract us from the main problems that's really breaking down our nation currently. 
Eric John Borner is with us. Uh, the last name is B-O-E-R-N-E-R. One of the websites, ericborner.com, ericborner.com. I, um, I, I definitely understand how you feel when you see, you know, people who won't get together at Thanksgiving, people who can't talk to each other anymore, family members that allow politics to divide us. But, uh, but I really point the finger at the radical left because uh, I don't know any conservatives and most of the Republicans that I talk to who aren't interested in the conversation, aren't interested in the debate. The cancel culture is just another tool, another Alinskyite tool being used by the left uh, to chop us up, divide us, and, uh, and try and divide and conquer and so, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward for in a president is somebody who's going to be willing to stand up and speak out hard against cancel culture and the inability for, you know, censorship, Newsmax, other sta- stations that are being taken off the air. Are you that voice? I am. Absolutely. You know, there was some problems that were going down inside of DHS where, you know, they were actually uh, monitoring U.S. Uh, civilians, not you know, not the bad guys, not the Russian bots or the Russian troll farms or uh, Chinese, um, you know, insurgencies that are trying to come into our the actual U.S. citizens. And they were censoring them. Uh, I, I know the project and, and who was involved, who was responsible for it. Um, I think I think more than just a Senate select committee. Uh, pointing fingers and trying to figure out the truth, um, you know, it's going to take a Department of Justice with an executive uh, running it that actually has the cojones to follow through with uh, shutting some of these programs down. And and I'm definitely the guy who's willing to to have those cojones to do it. So let's assume that uh, your policies are right on and i i did not read your white paper yet i just was able to scan through some kind of the bullet points of your history and your positions uh, but let's just say that you're the guy whose policies are the right policies for america how do you get the name recognition how do you overcome the the desantis the trump the haley machines that will be out there trying to gobble up all the space and uh, we're going to bring a ton of money to into this presidential run yeah, you know, um, the the problem with our current cycle of uh, um, elections is money talks and, you know, the, the poor guy walks. And that is unfortunate because um, you can't get the name recognition out there. However, um, a grassroots campaign, if done right, we've, we've seen this done before in the old, old days when the grand old party was the grand old party. Um, whisper campaigns work extremely well. Um, We have a foundation, a Republican base already. We already have our foot soldiers. They're in the counties. We've been reaching out to all of the counties now um, over the last couple of weeks. We're kind of doing this from the bottom up. I haven't actually contacted any of the senators or the Congress folks yet. Um, We will do that soon. Uh, We're just going through all of our county chairs currently. Uh, There was a a turnover that happened uh, uh, over the last couple of weeks for each of those new positions. And so we've been reaching out to all of those county chairs and, and, and talking to those votes, talking to the uh, state committee folks as well, just to let them know, hey, I'm running. There's a, there's a, a different perspective to how um, we can actually 
represent the nation, especially when we get to the RNC, um, to the, uh, you know, the big debate. Um, and, and I feel like uh, if I manage to poll uh, enough to get into a debate, once uh, America sees the policies that I want to implement, some of the ones that are, are very uh, on top of mind, so to say, is what our, our uh, administration likes to tout all the time. Uh, those top of mind issues for Americans uh, will definitely take care of them. Um, I think once America sees that, they'll they'll get on board with the burner train. Eric John Borner is running for president, uh, apparently the first one in after uh, after Donald J. Trump. 33 years in the federal government. I noticed that you, and you mentioned a moment ago, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Um, your work in that facet of government, and I mentioned at the start the Air Force Department of Defense. I mean, you've really been around the block there. But what about climate change? What about the argument and the policies that are being implemented to attempt to restructure our use of energy on, on some, in my mind, failed mission and, and really more of a political and power uh, control effort, um, this client's, client science nonsense. Is there any legitimacy to the points of the left? Is the earth warming because of carbon dioxide emissions? So there is definitely some loss of sea ice that we've seen up in the, the polar north. Um, that's a, the annual return of ice each year so that the ice seals can actually do their spawning events. Um, we do notice that there is a, an impact on the animal species that are there. And so a lot of the climate research that I was involved in uh, was basically uh, what kind of impacts were happening on our food source that's coming out of the Bering Sea. Um, and, and, and we do see that there is a significant uh, declination of habitable sea ice it's, that occurs every year, but it fluctuates. Um, is that because that we're burning fossil fuels? It, it may be because we have been doing that for such a long period of time that we've captured uh, enough of that carbon dioxide in our greenhouse and it's done a lot of reflecting. But I have a plan actually that I think that we can reverse a lot of the damage that we've done. We we talk about the climate a lot of a lot of climate alarmists like to scream with their hair on fire, but they don't actually have a solution to uh, pull back from the problems that we have. Uh, they just want to go to accords and they want to fund uh, um, UN appointed people to travel around the world to uh, rah rah about a problem that um, no one actually wants to have a solution to. So. My intention for America is to uh, outgrow the the carbon dioxide by creating carbon sinks. We can we can do some crop rotations with the USDA. Uh, I, I believe in hemp as a, a cash crop again for America. Uh, whether we uh, hybridize hemp with CBD, that's a whole other story. We need to talk about descheduling certain types of. Of CBD, we'll we'll take that as a national uh, conversation. I don't think the president needs to um, get involved with that particular portion of it. Um, but I believe, as cash crop, that we can reduce our carbon um, sink by doing a lot of new material-based uh, um, manufacturing, and and that would require us to grow a lot of hemp. 
um, more oil and gas production in America or less? I also have a plan for more fracking, but at uh, an expense to the fracking industry that would require them to extract their solution. Um, I, I want to recapture the precious metals and the noble metals that is coming out of their sluice juice. I think that will increase their profits. And uh, we will utilize uh, some of the noble metals that they're recovering from that process uh, from the Department of Energy side. We'll buy that from the fracking industry. And I intend to use that for uh, fusion energy, which is actually a new market technology that's it's primed and ready to go. Uh, the Department of Energy has been working on this for a while, um, and it, it's it's ready for prime time. And I think with the right investments uh, in in tax credits, uh, capital investments, we can we can get that rolling, and and make uh, America almost almost uh, a primary uh, exporter of oil, LPG, uh, even coal. I, I think the coal industry has a, a niche market here that it can pull back from as well. Uh, we're, we're lacking in pig iron currently, um, and uh, we're not going to be able to import that pretty soon from China. So um, I, ha I have a vision of America requiring more pig iron soon, so the coal industry is going to have itself a uh, an industry to sell to. So, yeah, definitely have some new industry ideas as well that um, it's, it's contrary to the climate debate. Debate. So, Eric Borner, we're running out of time here. I always say this to whether it's a precinct committee person who's getting involved for the first time or a, a party, state party official, all the way up to, you know, our state and national candidates. Um, it, it takes an awful lot to throw your hat into the ring. It takes a lot of courage, a lot of time, a lot of energy. I admire anybody who does it. I wish you well on the campaign trail. Are you heading to New Hampshire anytime soon, or how are you going to handle that first primary? Yeah, so we're we're doing Iowa now, um, and and I want to bop over to New Hampshire for a couple of weeks to to dip my feet into the water over there. Um, and then South Carolina, um, I have a strategic idea for getting into South Carolina that uh, requires a senator, but we'll see how that plans out. And, uh, and then we're going to hit a few other areas that are, are, are starting to turn purple, which I don't think the other candidates are quite thinking about. So we may bop down into Arizona for a bit as well. Um, that's a state that I think is going to wind up becoming a, a problematic part for the GOP strategically later on. Um, and I think a good message needs to be planted there. Republican um, presidential. So we're doing this as a... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I was just uh, kind of wrapping it up. Republican presidential candidate Eric Borner. Uh, really good luck. Have uh, Jay Fratt stay in touch, especially if you start to catch fire. We'll have you back. And uh, it's quite a task that you've taken on for yourself. And, uh, and I really do wish you well. God bless you, sir. And thank you for your time in Denver today. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Better believe it. Phones are lighting up. Let's get to our break first. Uh, we'll get to you and uh, some of this audio that I'm just dying for you to hear when we return on 710 KNUS. Back at 730, 30 minutes to go till the end of the show. But uh, fortunately, if I run out of time tonight, I will be back tomorrow guest hosting for Backbone Radio. That's from 4 to 
8 p.m. No, 4 to 7 p.m. I'm here till 8. 4 to 7 p.m. And uh, always a good time. The Backbone crowd is simply the best. And uh, so it's always great when I can get a chance to do that and be with you again. I did spend a minute looking at the Wiccan Witches social media, Emily Course, and man, it is something. Um, ideas you might love, green witchcraft, tarot card spreads, witchy garden aesthetic, book of shadows, breaking astrology down, what causes damage to crystals, uh, casting a circle with a pentagram. That's very interesting. But uh, I think what you've got to know about this woman is she sounds like she is, well, if she's not flat nuts, she is very, very weird. I'm going to start this interview over because it's just worth it. Emily Kors with Aaron Burnett on CNN. Donald Trump put out a statement last week about the partial report that the judge did release, the pages that he did. And the way that he described it is he said that yet your report means total exoneration for him is how he put it in his statement. What's your reaction to that, Emily? Um, I did see that today, uh, which was fascinating. I'm not positive he read the right document. But um, I will say that if what he was talking about was our statement where we indicated that there was no evidence of widespread fraud or widespread vote fraud in the Georgia 2020 election, that might have been what he meant. Other than that, I'm not positive what he meant by that i'd be interested to know i'm sure we'll hear more from him after um, (laughs) after it all it all comes out it was worth replaying just for the laugh at the end and it gets worse it gets crazier and when she starts to talk right up she looks way up to her left i think have to watch that interview again just an odd character to watch but the questions continue for the witch the grand jury witch on CNN. The other portion that obviously demands a lot of attention is also the portion, and I'll read this for everyone, where you all wrote, a majority of the grand jury believes that perjury may have been committed by one or more witnesses testifying before it. Is perjury the crime that you all believed was, com- the, the main crime you all believe was committed? I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say that I would say that um, it ended up included there because it was less pointed um, of a of a suggestion than some of the other things we may have written in the parts of the report the judge chose to keep confidential. Um, like I less, would say speci- that, less less specific to a person. Right, mm. right. Um, I would say that we thought it was important to keep it separate as well. Okay, I will say that I thought it was important to keep it separate as well, at least in my opinion, not anybody else's, but mine. That there's a difference between the crimes we were called to investigate and crimes that were committed in the room. I just wonder what part of the country or what school you have to go to to learn to talk and end your points by going up and then come right back on down and have your eyes and your face and your head follow along. It's just... And listen, there are plenty of people with strange mannerisms and and I love people and if they have something interesting to say or... Or whatever, I don't care. But this woman was picked to be the grand jury foreman in this one of many ridiculous efforts to find some criminal way to drag Trump down or drag him out of this presidential race. The Wiccan witch continues. How would you describe the strength of the evidence 
that was put before you? The strength of it. Um, was it clear cut? We heard a lot of very compelling things. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of very compelling evidence. Um, a lot of very interesting things. And things that we didn't expect. We discovered a lot as we went. Like, we know that you all heard at least of uh, at least one call that Donald Trump was on during this period. This yes. is the infamous call that the, the whole world has, has heard as it was released when yes. he was speaking to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. But in terms of just calls and recordings of calls, are there others of those? I can tell you I heard other phone calls. I don't think I could name all of them right now if I wanted to. <laughs> After 75 witnesses in eight months, it gets hard to keep all your bits straight. Other calls that Donald Trump was on? Yes. I'm positive I have heard the president on the phone more than once. That laugh, it's just worth waiting for. And remember, uh, 75 calls, 75 witnesses, whatever. I mean, it's unheard of to have a grand jury person talking about what went on in the grand jury in this fashion. And as you will hear from... MSLSD and CNN commentators, they are not pleased. In fact, uh, I didn't hear this, but several people have texted or mentioned that uh, even on The View, Joy Behar beside herself. But let's just remember that this is the, the primary section of the call. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. Just apparently was one more than what was needed to overcome the alleged deficit in Georgia. And again, no criminal intent, not ordering or asking Brad to go grab votes or, or change votes or anything. Just get to the bottom of it. Tons of ballots uncounted, tons of ballots that shouldn't have been counted. And by tons, I mean thousands and thousands and uh as time goes on, more and more of that evidence is, is coming along. So let's see, where was I? Some of the big name witnesses who came before you, um, they really fought against coming before you. They didn't want to testify, but they were forced to. They were told by the judge that they needed to, like Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's former chief of staff. What stood out to you from his testimony? Mr. Meadows didn't share very much at all and was not very willing to speak on much of anything. He asserted his rights um, under the Fifth Amendment and under uh, executive privilege, which he absolutely had the right to do. And that was pretty much that. Hmm. Have you noticed those hmms at the end? Hmm. Isn't that an interesting response for a TV pro? Hmm. And then on to the next question. You know, this wasn't just a few days of jury duty. I've been kind of thinking about this as, as we were going to speak today. I mean, this was more than seven months of your life and dealing with one of the most closely scrutinized investigations in recent political history. I mean, what is your lasting impression of this process, Emily? I've loved being a part of this process. I think it's amazing to actually be able to be a part of this process for once. I think it's a privilege to be able to actually be a part of the system for once and making it work. Um, this has been fascinating to get this peek into the world of like politics and of all these different of government and of all these different things. And, you know, have the curtain lifted just a little bit and let us peek in as regular people has been amazing. And I'm so glad that I did it. I, I just have to say that. Listening 
loses some of the effect of watching this person communicate. And again, I'm just, it's just a extraordinary is a word I use too much, but it is an extraordinary breach of ethics and practice when it comes to grand juries to step out like this. So after that, when it's all said and done and the DA makes her final decision on charging, what do you say to people who question your findings or want to say that your investigation, what you all were doing in that room was influenced by politics? I think that's the opposite. I think that by choosing to have a grand jury, by choosing to impanel regular people, they very specifically chose to avoid politics, to take bias out of the question, because they chose to get, instead of anyone else, they chose to get 16 random people. They could have gotten, you know, if they had wanted someone who was just going to support their opinions, they could have gone and hired a bunch of legal experts. There, there were all kinds of choices that could have been made there, but they chose to get a random sampling of the population of the area, and I think that speaks really strongly to them trying to avoid bias in any way and trying to avoid politics. Clearly, the Wiccan witch has a deep and abiding grasp of the grand jury process. Oh, simply bizarre. Here's the end of that interview, and then you'll you'll be interested in what CNN and others had to say about it. After everything that you've seen, what would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. Like, that's that's about my only request there is, is for something to happen. I don't necessarily know what it is. I'm not the legal expert. I'm not the judge. I'm not the lawyers. But I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time, too much of their time, too much argument in, in court about getting people to appear before us. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge or perjury charges, would that be acceptable to you? That's fine. I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> <laughs> the laugh again. The laugh is just priceless. But I have to say my heart was touched because the last thing I want for Wiccan witch Emily Kors to feel is frustrated. Did you hear that? Frustrated. I don't know her level of education. I don't know, you know, I don't know what they call valley girls now with the modern version of a, oh my God, kind of valley girl from my day is. But um, Wiccan witch Emily Kors has got that down for sure. All right, let's hear what, uh, before we go to the break, let's hear what CNN and a few others had to say about our Wiccan witch. Oh, I'm missing number 12 here. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll jump to what the New York Times had to say about the Wiccan witch. Never heard. I've covered courts on and off for the last 20 years, uh, more than that. I've never heard of a, of a grand jury foreperson speaking this way. Now, this is a fact-finding grand jury. This is not a charging grand jury, but even still, I've never seen anything like it. If I'm the prosecutor, I'm not sure that I want this media tour taking place because I'm confident that Donald Trump's lawyers are going to use this just based on what I was hearing last night from people uh, to try to argue that this is prejudicial in terms of what she's saying. Better fricking believe it, Maggie Haberman from The New York Times. And the one clip I couldn't play had a uh, 
legal analyst on it, uh, CNN. He was on with Anderson Cooper. His name is Eli Koenig. And uh, and the bottom line, the conclusion of what he had to say was what happened with this Wiccan witch, Emily Coors, is a prosecutor's nightmare, period. And then uh, we'll, we'll, let's play this last one right now because this is classic as well. This woman lets you know what her priorities are. This is part of her interview from MSLSD. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Do you solemnly swear? What a bizarre, I'm sorry. I've just got to play that last 18 seconds one more time. Let it sink in. This was the grand jury foreman on a very serious inquiry with incredible consequences. Here was her priority. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just... I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Yeah, awesome moment. All right, we are going to actually share with you an awesome moment when we return. And that is a high school freshman. Just a brilliant, you know, we heard uh, when we were talking about Peter and and, uh, John Eastman and Peter referred to John Eastman as an odd character. This young man, brilliant Smart, geeky, glasses, just an absolute egghead. And I say that with great love and affection for what this young man says to his school board. you got to hear it. We'll share it with you next when we return. It's 710 KNUS. 748, final segment of the show. But uh, I'm happy. You'll have to decide. I will be back tomorrow night. 4 o'clock, 4 to 7, to guest host for Backbone Radio. And that is always a blast. We're not going to, I don't have any guests lined up. We're just going to do some talk radio and talk about things nationally, philosophically, whatever is on your mind. And um, and we dug up that clip that we were missing from CNN. This was, uh, this was Eli Koenig, who is listed as a legal expert, going round and round with Anderson Cooper, about the Wiccan witch. This is a horrible idea, and I guarantee you that prosecutors are wincing watching her go on this. I was wincing just (laughs) watching her eagerness to, like, you know, hint at stuff. It's painful in that respect. This is a very serious prospect here. We're talking about indicting any person. You're talking about potentially taking away that person's liberty. We're talking about potentially a former president for the first time in this nation's history. She does not seem to be taking that very seriously. There's no reason for her to be out talking. No, it's a prosecutor's nightmare. (laughs) Now, why would that legal analyst think that this very serious Wiccan witch, grand jury foreman in Georgia, wasn't taking the process seriously? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. 
maybe I should invite her to Mar-a-Lago the next time I go and just get her her 60 seconds with President Trump. I don't know. Anyway, listen, normally you just move on from technical glitches, but people are texting and everything. We and they're asking if we're listening. We are aware of the repeating newscast. I was going to make a joke about, man, who do you think is going to win that Super Bowl and stuff? And so no idea what's going on, but just nothing that we can do about it. I'm thinking maybe it is one of these spells from Emily Kors, the Wiccan witch grand jury foreman. I'm looking at her social media. She's got types of potions. She's got the harmless and easy, quote, leave me alone spell all laid out on what you need to say and what you need to do. She's got casting a circle, spell timing, uh, timing your spells around the weather. This is very important stuff. And I'm so glad they were able to find her out of the entire pool of people available in Georgia to sit on this incredibly significant grand, I think it's nonsense, but the ramifications, the claims that are being made, the charges that are being analyzed, it's a serious thing with incredible consequences. And they brought that woman on. So anyway, we will move on from her because, good Lord, how much more can we take? I promised. And you've just got to hear this young high school freshman. And this is this is right off of Twitter. So I didn't go back to get the his particular information, what his name is, what the school is, because it really doesn't matter. If you're a parent or a grandparent, if you're watching what's going on in these school boards, seeing the pornography and all of the disgusting sexual activity that's being foisted on some of the youngest children, and then pushing them, pushing them hard right through high school, right into college, it's incredible. And this young man had had enough. Hi, my name is Brad Taylor, and I just finished my freshman year at RHS. Um, I've been a part of District 196 schools now for 10 years, and I'm going to give you a glimpse today of what's actually going on inside these schools. Um, Despite the board's attempt to deny it, District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll I'll take you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, He began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me, or half the kids that were in the class. Now, members of the board, I know you haven't been to school in a while, and I know most of the people, I know none of you, or most of you, don't have any kids left in the school district. Um, But... You must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. And this kid just gets better and better. Three million plus views of this video. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I don't even know all the different sources that you can find it. But didn't you love it? I know board members, you haven't been in school in a while. Most of you don't even have kids. And the looks on these board members' faces, especially at the end, just classic. So I'll never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter. But hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students 
pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing All Lives Matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it, and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. Whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. So is that not racism? Disregarding my question merely because of the color of my skin. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more. And it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone, which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement. But from the ex my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. My honors government teacher, I'm not going to say his name, but he's mentioned that Democrats care more about all people while Republicans only care about themselves. And he's also inferred to us that socialism is better than democracy. He even had a statue. He had a statue of a socialist leader in his classroom. I've been told by a lot of kids that they just stay silent and adjust their schoolwork to reflect an acceptable opinion to secure a good grade. I've been approached by multiple teachers who have told me in private that they just want to say that they agree with me and they support me standing up, but they can't say it in front of the class for fear of being disciplined by the administration in some way or losing their jobs. There is clearly only one way to think in this district, and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now, members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on, on our students? Let's wrap it. A fellow coworker at my job, who, by the way, is of color, discreetly told me that the schools seem to be pushing a very leftist agenda in class. This proved that not everyone is happy with your school, and not everyone who isn't happy is white. Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And, and there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless of how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it, because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer, but I will never stop believing that everybody has value, no matter their skin color or personal beliefs, and it's a shame that you're not going to be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you. What a gutsy young geek. And I say that with lots and lots of love. Just a brilliant kid. And he's leaving. He's leaving the school. They're going to lose a leader, continue to raise up more vegetable brains. And, uh, but it's, this is why I stay so optimistic about America. We're in the midst of a great awakening. The battle lines are being drawn. It's hard.
sometimes, and so many of us are under attack, and you may be one of them. Pray to God. Believe in the future. Understand where we've come from and where we have to go. Remember your kids and your grandkids. I don't know. Puts a smile on my face every single day. So glad to have you here. The music is in the background. That means we are all but done. But I'll be back tomorrow night on Backbone Radio from 4 to 7. Hope you can join us then. We will certainly talk about Vladimir Putin, who is lecturing the West on our great decline. I'm Randy Corcoran. Always remember, never forget, God loves you. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.